Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is talking to some of his followers in verse 19, one of his final commands. He says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Many of us are familiar with that passage, the the great commission that Jesus gives his followers, a directive that he gives his followers, and he says, go and make disciples. Can you imagine the Messiah, Jesus being face-to-face with us, giving us a task that seems like a tall order? It seems like, whoa, that is, that's overwhelming. Have you ever experienced something that's overwhelming in life? Have you ever been like, man, I don't know what to do? I'm in a season right now where I don't necessarily know what to do. I have this garage in my house. And this garage is overwhelming to me right now because there's so much junk in my garage. Like, I, I know where some of the pieces are. I know where some things are. Like, I got little kids, and, and there's, there's all their stuff. And I'm like, why do we have all this stuff, these trinkets and toys? I'm like, I just need to throw it all away. And then on the other side of the garage, I have all this Christmas stuff, all this thrifted stuff. I have no idea how it got there. Actually, I do. And I'm waiting for my wife to go on another trip so then I can do something with that stuff. Kidding, kind of. We have all this stuff, and so what's happening is we've accumulated it all. It's coming to our garage, and my garage looks like a mess, and I'm like, I can't even park my cars in the garage. What do I do? I'm overwhelmed, and because I'm so overwhelmed with this mess that's happening in the garage, I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to go in my garage. So then I go out the front door. I don't want to face it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to handle it. It's a mess. There's stuff that needs to be cleaned out, wiped out. There's, there's junk. And, you know, a lot of times I just feel overwhelmed. I don't know what you feel overwhelmed about. I don't know what scenarios that you feel overwhelmed about. But when Jesus gives his followers the command, the directive, go and make disciples, many followers feel overwhelmed by that. Pastor Blake, how do I, I share Jesus with my friends, my family, my loved ones, they're going to make me feel weird. Like they're going to, we're going to ruin the relationship. They're going to question me. And so what happens is when we feel overwhelmed, specifically when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus, what do we do? We avoid it. We step around it. We, we say, hey, and like, it's, I don't really know what to do. And, 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 and then we, we wrestle ter- inside and we're like, as a good Christian, as someone who follows Jesus, I know I'm supposed to share about Jesus, and we feel like we just don't live up to the standard or we're inadequate. And if I really asked you, this past year, how many people have you shared Jesus with? What would we say? And yet it's A command that God gives, a directive, comes from Jesus, the Messiah, to go and share the good news. 
We're in this series right now, Good News, Sharing Jesus in a Skeptical World. Um, and, and it's originated because back in Easter, we took a survey, and there's two topics that rose far above the rest. One was the Holy Spirit, and we talked a little bit about it. Secondly, it's how to share my faith, how to share Jesus. This is what we do know, that it can be a little uh, intimidating. It can feel overwhelming. There's a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of cultural circumstances where people don't want to hear about your Jesus, yet you're given the best news in the world. And so how do we share the best news in the world? And we're taking these next several weeks and talking about it. Last week, we talked about getting off your soapbox. You know, we talked about how we stand up there, and a lot of times Christians and followers of Jesus, we just proclaim, we proclaim, we proclaim, we talk, we talk, we talk, and really the essence, it starts sharing Jesus in our lifestyle and within the power of community. We talked about that last week. Today, I want to give you another tip. Tip number two is this. It's hospitality. The secret to sharing Jesus, sharing the good news, the best news, the life transformation news is hospitality. Hospitality, we, we simply define it like this. It's, it's treating strangers and friends alike. You know, I think sometimes we think of hospitality like, like I have to host people in my home. Have you ever stressed out about that? Or maybe your, your significant other stressed out about it, like, hey, we have people coming over. And so it's like, I mean, army sergeant rises up and, and, and they're barking orders and they're like, hey, we've got to do this. The kids are scrambling. The kids are trying to like fold clothes. They don't even know how to fold clothes. And they're like trying to fold clothes, put it like, hey, hey, they're coming. Parents are coming. And, and we get like, oh, we got to dust. We got to clean. Oh, did we mop? Do we take the trash out? And it's like, oh, alarming. And this hospitality. And we're like, by the end of it, why did I even invite someone over to my house? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, like I, I think many of us, if you host, if some of you are like, I've never been there, it's probably because you're not having anybody over, you know, right? But like th there's a stress level that comes with it. But see, here's the thing with hospitality. Hospitality isn't necessarily having people come to your house. Hospitality is just the way you lead and live your life. We're going to be talking about hospitality today because it's a secret. How you treat people can radically transform people's lives. Being hospitable, some of us have that great gift. Hospitality has been with God's people from the very beginning. We see in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33, this is what God commands of His people, the Israelites, from the very beginning. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. He says this, treat them like a native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am your Lord, your, I am the Lord, your God. So what this looks like for us, there's a lot of political stuff this day and age. You turn on the news, I mean, there's issue after issue after issue. I said it in our prayer time. We have to remember first, you and I are citizens of God's kingdom. That means I'm going to treat a stranger the same way as I'm going to treat a friend. I'm going to love them both. I'm going to treat them both well. That means if someone looks a little funny, talks a little funny, has a different accent than you have, has a different skin tone than you have, has a little more hair than you have, 
has some more muscles and better looking than you have, you know what you're going to do? Treat them well. Like sometimes I, I think we let this, 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 this tension in the way we view people hinder our way to treat people. And it ruins our witness. It ruins our ability to share the gospel, the good news, the life-transformative gospel. When God says to the Israelites, like, there's a lot of foreigners coming in, a lot of people are different. I think it's a testament to us this day and age because people are coming from different backgrounds. The world is moving to Florida because it's the greatest state. Come on, somebody. And then, like, like, I see signs, and you might be there. I mean, like, I know a lot of transformation is happening, but you have to remember, like, hey, you might, there might be some things you don't agree with people about, but you still need to love people. You still need to treat people well. Hospitality, it's a secret to sharing good news. Not only do we see God's people from the Old Testament where it's instituted in practice, but we also see Jesus when he affirms it in Matthew chapter 7. He says this in verse 12, it's known as the golden rule, do to others as you would like them to do to you. This is the essence that is taught in the law and the prophets. My wife and I, we've moved several times uh, in, in different scenarios. Like we've lived in Las Vegas, we've lived in Los Angeles, we've moved to Southwest Florida. What I love about this church is its natural tendency to be hospitable to people who are different, who are new, who are from a different location. And see, the thing is, Jesus is always talking about, hey, how we treat people matters. He even elaborates this way when we talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. You have the priest, you have the Levite, you have this guy who's beaten up on the side of the road, and the priest and the Levite should have taken care of this guy. But it's this dude from the different side of the tracks with a different look about him, a different, uh, uh, there's a prejudice against him, and Jesus gives this clarity on what it means to be hospitable, to treat someone well. And so the parable of the Good Samaritan, the guy that shouldn't have treated the person beat up well, does. It's important for us to understand just how serious hospitality is. The New Testament writers, almost each New Testament writer talks about the importance of hospitality. We see Paul, he puts it this way. Paul says, uh, when God's people are indeed, when God's people are indeed, be in need, be ready, and help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be ready. First Peter puts it this way. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I mean, sometimes we're hospitable with people, but we're like, man, I got to have them over. Like, you know, they're coming in for a visit. We got to do lunch with them. Like, do it without grumbling. Hospitality is essential in life. Hospitality is our witness. Hospitality is how we share good news. It's a, it's a secret that I think a lot of times we, we miss it. We fast forward. We skip over it. God's saying, hey, hold on. You need to be hospitable to people around you. So where does hospitality begin? Hospitality begins with meaningful conversation. Meaningful conversation. Um, my uh, uh, wife and I, uh, we're in our first year of marriage. And uh, you know like when you're in your first year of marriage, for those who are, who are married, um, it's like you have this idea of how marriage is going to play out and 
and reality sets in when you look back. Uh, well, at first year of marriage, my wife was like, hey, we're going to be best friends with her friends. So I do what every great husband does. We go on a double date with some of her friends, like her, her friends married. And, and so she's thinking it's going to be great. And I'm sitting there on that first double date. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like, I would rather be at home watching paint dry. This guy is awkward. Like, I mean, he's funny, goofy looking. Like, and, and I'm like, Brittany, like looking mean mugging the whole time. I'm like, the last time you make me leave my home to do this, like I'm frustrated. Like, I'm like, never again. So we're coming home from that double date. I look over to her. I'm like, hey, uh, so just so you know, like I want us to be on the same page. Communication is important for our marriage. You need to find a substitute for me. I'll even send one of my friends next time you go out with your friends. Like, you let me know what you need to do. Like, I'll, I'll sub. I'll even pay for it. Like, and I'll pay for the date. I'll pay for my sub. Just don't ever make me go again. Right? That's, that's where I was. So this one particular day, I'm, after this event happened, after this double date, I'm calling one of my buddies. I'm like, bro, like my wife's friends are like, woo, you know, like... I don't ever want to go on that date again, like that double date. She can't believe she did that to me. So I'm talking to my buddy, and uh, I don't know if you ever experienced this, uh, but if you ever complain to somebody or someone ever hands you a book, really what they're trying to do is to get you the, get the principle to the book. They're trying to tell you some issues you have without telling you the issues you have. And so my buddy's like, hey, man, like, I hear you. Have you ever read the book, uh, how, to f how to Win Friends and Influence People? I'm like, no. He's like, I think it would be good for you. And I'm like, you want me to go read this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Like, I'm a friendly guy. I don't need to listen to that. Like, come on, man. Like, it was like, you know, almost 100 years old now. And Dale Carnegie, and so I'm reading it. And of course, when I'm reading it, I kind of get slapped in the face. When it talks about principle number five in the book, it talks about talk in terms of the other person's interest. Talk in terms of the other person's interest. I was struggling for conversation. I was like, I can't communicate with this person. So, of course, a couple weeks go by. My wife's like, hey, would you, you know, this time, like, I've kind of softened up. And she's like, hey, would you want to go out with our friends again? our friends, you know, I'm like, Whoa. like, sure. And I just start practicing principle number, like talk in interest, talk in ways that it's all about. I'm like, all right, so I'm being sarcastic the whole time. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep asking questions about this guy. I'm just going to like try to generate conversation. I'm just going to make it all about them. And here's the irony. I start asking questions about him, talking in his interest, talking to what uh, uh, like pulls on his heart, his mind. And then he starts asking me about my life, starts talking to me about me, and, and conversation, which I thought was going to be terrible, ends up being great. And the irony of the whole story is simply this. They're like our best friends this day and age, people I never would have thought of, people I never at first experienced. Oh, yeah, right. But when you ask conversations, when, or when you ask questions, when you have meaningful conversations, it matters. See, meaningful conversations emphasizes their interests. 
Meaningful conversations emphasizes their interest. I think a lot of times we go in with this idea of I'm going to be hospitable, I'm going to talk with people, but I want to just talk. I want to express my thoughts. I want to share my opinions. I want them to hear me, but then when they start talking, we stop listening. And we, and we get kind of in this way where our conversation, it's been said that the, the conversation is a lost art. Well, we've missed it at times. I'm saying the bedrock to hospitality begins with how good we can handle ourselves in a conversation. In John chapter 4, Jesus has this radical encounter with this lady at the well. And he makes it about her. He talks to, to, to her. He, 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 he leans in, makes it all about what she's interested in. In John chapter 4, verse 7, paraphrasing the story, soon a Samaritan woman, she came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. So she's thirsty. Jesus is thirsty. They talk about the water at the well. It's the, it's the, the, the step through. It's the conversation point. It's, the, converse, it, it, it's the, the moment where they can have a connection there. We also see when it comes in, as the story continues in John 4, uh, when, when, when the woman, she was there and she was surprised for Jews, refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus, you're Jewish. Why are you talking to me? And, and she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And as Jesus goes on in the story, he starts asking about her life, starts talking about what's taking place, kind of bringing up some things she's doing in her life that might be out of left field and that she needs to adjust. And Jesus continues and he replied, if only you knew the gift of God had for you or has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And then fast forward and, and Jesus ends and he says, but, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father and the Spirit and truth and the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus has this drastic, meaningful conversation with this lady at the well. And it started when he emphasized her interest, when he made it about what they were intrigued about. Sam Chan in his book, Reviving, uh, Sam Chan in his book, uh, he, he puts, it puts it this way. He talks about the progression of conversation. And, and, and he labels it uh, this way. We think I, I have a diagram for us to kind of check out. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but hey, anybody ever seen this, like, I hate small talk. Anybody like hear that? You know, like maybe you've claimed that saying, you're like, ah, oh, I can't stand small talk. Well, he breaks it down like this. Small talk is our interest level. So it's like saying like, I hate small talk. You can't really hate small talk because how you learn in what they're interested in. For instance, like, hey, uh, I like to golf. So I ask people, hey, like, what, what do you like to do? What are hobbies? So it's interest level. It's like the coffee talk. It's like you're getting to learn people. You're trying to figure out. Secondly, he goes on and, and he talks about, then there's the dinner level. So after you kind of have the small talk, talk about things, hobbies, etc., interests, then you talk about dinner. And at dinner, you can have a little more pointed conversation. And you get a little real. You can maybe talk about some of your beliefs. And then there's the opportunity to share the good news. And when it comes to the good news, it's like, you're so comfortable with that person. 
you've built that relationship, you have meaningful conversations that, like, you can share the one and only hope out there. Jesus, the good news. And, and I mentioned it earlier, I think a lot of times we want to fast forward the conversation without saying, hey, let's just work through some of these layers and just get to know someone and have meaningful, interesting conversations and saying, hey, I care about you. Now, there's many times, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, maybe at work, maybe with your friends, whatever. Like, you know, it's pretty awkward to encounter people that's like, hey, how are you doing? And you're trying to start the small talk and they come up and they're like, man, if you just knew, and they go on a list of stuff that's taken place in their life, and you're like, yeah, what's your name again? You're like, this is a little awkward, right? Like, they hit you with all the deep stuff, and, and you're like, okay, I got I to gotta figure that out. Like, I think a lot of times we struggle because this, we just lean into the deep conversation without going, hey, Conversation takes time to play out. Meaningful conversation. Hey, what are they interested in? Hey, how do we have dinner? Hey, can we really get into the deep level where you can understand, they can understand, people can come to an agreement, people can maybe have a safe place to ask hard questions? Meaningful conversation. We also see that when it comes to hospitality, we have to go when you're invited. Go when you're invited. When it comes to different events and activities, go when you're invited. I, I love how someone put it this way. It says, if, if you're willing to go to their things, they'll be willing to go to your things. You know, a lot of times in hospitality, the, the secret sauce in a sense is we want everybody to come to our comfort level, our comfortability, but really it begins with you taking that first step. We see in Acts chapter 16 when Paul is, is in Philippi with some of his companions, Lydia, who's basically the church planner of that area, one of the only ones who leaves, Paul went to her house. We see later on in, in Acts chapter 16, 34, when Paul and Silas are in prison, they go to the jailer's house. They have this custom area of, of going. In Luke chapter 5, 29, when Jesus is, is at this banquet, a tax collector's banquet by the name of Levi, Jesus went. Jesus was nomadic, friends. Jesus didn't have a home to call his. We see Jesus went to a Pharisee's house. Jesus went over to Zacchaeus' house. Jesus went. Part of being, part of being hospitable is we're willing to go. You have to be willing to go. I think sometimes we don't want to go because it's outside of our comfort zone. We want everybody to be in our comfort zone. But I think what it's really important to note in Scripture, Jesus always went. In Luke chapter 7, verse 34, the Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners, right? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he goes, I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. There's a, there's a reason Jesus was called a drunkard, a sinner, someone who hung out with other people, because he was always engaged in their community. Now, I do want to pause here. And, and, and highlight some things, because for many of us, it's really important to say this. One, we're not Jesus. We have limitations. So I want to advise you on like, hey, Pastor Blake's telling me to go out to the happy hour with my friends after work. Pastor Blake's telling me to go hang out at the parties. Pastor Blake's telling me to go to the clubs. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm saying simply this, that you have to know your limitations. 
Here's some practical ways that you know your limitations. You need to let your, your spiritual accountability partner know where you're at at all times. One of my spiritual accountability partners is, of course, my wife. My wife has full access of where I'm at, digitally, virtually, physically. So it's like she can anytime pick up my phone, look at it, social medias, look at it. She can see who I'm calling. She knows what I'm doing throughout the day because there's limitations. I think you, part of understanding your limitations, you got to ask yourself, hey, why am I showing up for that event? Maybe you struggle with substance abuse and you're like, hey, church, I'm supposed to be hospitable and engage in activities and go hang out with people. So I'm going over to happy hour and you're at happy hour, but you're like, oh man, I'm just trying to connect with people. But in the back of your mind, your heart is checking and saying like, man, I know I've been down this path before where I have a substance problem. Should I really be here? I would advise you to say no. Hospitality could come in a different way. But you have to ask yourselves, okay, what's my motivation to engage with people? What's my motivation to live in community with people? See, hospitality matters, but you don't also want to trip up along the way. And we also see, so so you have to know when there's the time to draw the line. And then I want to uh, end with this when it comes to hospitality. We have to be willing to be creative with your hospitality. Be creative with your hospitality. Um, I think... A lot of times we try to schedule hospitality. We try to schedule how we're going to treat people. We try to schedule, I'll have people at my house and my rhythm, my routine. Genuine hospitality oftentimes happens outside of your design schedule. Treating a, a stranger well, treating people well, really helping someone feel at home isn't scheduled. My wife and I, we have this thing um, uh, where we call it like our, our popsicle thinking, um, where we load up our freezer with popsicles. Uh, we have friends, our, our, little, our, our little boys, they play outside all the time. We make them like, hey, go outside. You got an hour outside, don't come in. You come in, boy, woo, dad's going to get you. And so we say, go outside. And so they'll, they'll, they'll be playing outside and they'll have other neighborhood friends who live down the street. They'll come and play. They're like, all right, hey, that's awesome. That's cool. But it's what we do to help make feel hospitable. We, we say, hey, you guys want popsicles. We want our house to be known as a house that people enjoy to be around, be at. I think part of hospitality is always being ready. So when that person shows up, hey, you want something to drink from the fridge? Hey, you want something to eat? Have some Reese's, have some Hershey's, have some ice cream, have adult popsicles and give your kids the Otter Pops. You know what I'm saying? Like have some of those things on hand because you never know when hospitality might strike. You never know when the opportunity might present itself so you can share Jesus in a very radical, real, loving, life-giving, hospitable way. In Romans, Paul's under house arrest, and uh, it's, he's waiting trial, and he comes to one of his companions, one of his uh, friends he's traveled with by the name of Gaius, and it says this, Gaius says hello to you, Paul's writing to other people, and he says, he is my host and also serves the whole church. It's an important little detail in Scripture in the New Testament when you think about it, uh, because Paul is, is, is saying like, hey, this is my host, this is where I'm staying. He's on house arrest. He's in imprisonment, awaiting trial. But then you see, guys, he becomes the, the, the center of the Roman church, this guy's house. You think he was like, hey, Paul, come over. You can stay here. I got a bed for you. That's fine. But then before you know it, Paul's like, hey, man, I'm bringing the whole church. 
Like many of us would be like, no, you're not. I just want you here. Like, no. And he's like boring up the windows. And like, no, like the whole church is coming. The party's happening. Like we're going to be declaring Jesus. It wasn't scheduled. It happened. I have the opportunity as a pastor here, I typically try my best to follow up with connect cards that we get. You have a handout. If you're looking for a home church, we say this all the time, that we believe you found it. We believe we're an awesome church. We believe God's doing great things and great days are ahead. So I encourage you, take a moment, fill out that connect card. We would love to start a relationship with you. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, We don't say that just to say it. We actually mean it. And so I encourage you, in our handout, we have a Connect card. Uh, This past week, I was following up with people who are relatively new, trying to look for a church home, and they have a a Connect card, and so I'll try to shoot them a text and say, hey, what's up? I'm I'm Pastor Blake. And every response I got back was saying, hey, we just love how this church is welcoming, how people are inviting, how people actually genuinely care. That's part of our culture. That's part of our presence. We, We speak that. We believe that. We hold true to that. Why? Because hospitality is a way we share the love of Jesus. The reason we are hospitable is because Jesus treated us who were strangers in such a loving and caring way. Man, I'm thankful for that. So as we march forward in the days ahead, you know what we're going to be? Hospitable people. If you want to see ones you care for, ones you love all around us, your community change, be hospitable. The truth is, there's times where hospitality is costly, costs time, costs finances. You buy someone lunch, it's hospitable. You load up your fridge, it's hospitable. You bless someone in need, that's hospitable. It's costly. But I can't think of any thing more costly than giving up our lives the way Jesus did for us, the greatest example of hospitality. So you might be new in here. We're going to pray in just a moment. But every time we preach, every time we declare Jesus and, and, and get up here on a Sunday, we can't go a service without asking if you have a relationship with the person who's been the most hospitable to each and every one of us. His name is Jesus. He's the Lord and Savior of our life. The reason we can be welcoming and kind and love people and care for people is because Jesus was welcoming and kind and loved people and cared for people. So if you're struggling to care for people in your life, you're struggling to share the good news in your life, my question goes back to, hey, what's your relationship with Jesus look like in your life? And our Connect card, You can let us know, hey, I decided to follow Jesus today. Hey, I'm committing my life. Hey, I need to get more serious, get recommitted because there's some things that have kind of went astray. So here we're going to pray first for those people who are making a decision to follow Jesus because he's such an individual that loves us so dearly, that cares for us so dearly. He is the example of hospitality. It's because of Him our lives are drastically transformed. So maybe you're in here and you're struggling to share the good news and you're going through some things. I want to encourage you. Just love people. Be kind the way Jesus loved us and was kind. Secondly, the next group of people I want to emphasize are those who maybe have 
kind of let this hospitality kind of slide and you're like it's not really my thing I'm saying yes it is your thing it's a secret sauce to share in the good news of Jesus so maybe we need to pray for a re-energized way to be hospitable to people wherever you're at take your next step let's pray together God we give you this time right now we, we praise you for everything you've done in our lives, for everything we'll continue to do in our lives. But we carry the greatest news, and that's the news of how Jesus, your son, come, has come to this earth and, and died on the cross for our sins. How you raised him three days later as he defeated death and sin, Lord, and, and, and made it right so we can have a relationship with you. Lord, we pray right now for those who are making a decision to follow you, to keep Jesus as the Lord and Savior, to make him the Lord and Savior of their life. We're praying right now, blessing, the spiritual movement, your Holy Spirit come down and lead people into what it means to follow you. Lord, we're also praying for this church, for those of us in here who need to improve our hospitality skills. Lord, help us to treat strangers and friends alike. Help us not view people as a different group or a different kind of person, but help us to love people the way you have loved us. Lord, we want to be a church that radically transforms this community. We want to be a church that, that is known here in Southwest Florida for just loving people the way you've loved us. So continue to lead us today. Continue to guide us every step of the way. Help us to be hospitable people. Help us to be a hospitable church. And in your great and holy name, we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.